Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. Valentine's Day is this Thursday, and I saw that if you go to Hooters, if you go to Hooters, you can shred a photo of your ex and get free wings. It's fun until you realize that you got back at your ex by eating alone at a Hooters on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Not bad. Boy, as one uh, comedian said yesterday in a similar kind of joke, just proving that your, your ex was right in dumping you. Yeah. Yeah, you're a weirdo. There's a, what were they, they? You could name your uh, name a cockroach after your yeah. ex, and they fed it to some sort of beast. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I just read up uh, I, uh, somewhere or other. I think it was somewhere in Oregon. You can name a salmon after your ex just before they feed it to a bear. But again, that proves that you're a sicko. That your ex was right to dump you. I wish a bear would eat you. Their instincts were correct. You're weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so lots of things to discuss this hour. I suppose the dueling speeches on the border and what the various policies are, and I, I don't, or not. I don't know. I really want to get to the uh, the increasing anti-Semitism problem that the Democratic Party mm. is going to have to deal with. Um, but it already is. So this this little article is based on last week's State of the Union address, but uh, it uh, it is as relevant today and will be going forward. It's something we've been talking about for a while, how fact-checking has kind of just become opinion. Uh, fact-check! As soon as I hear fact-check now, I think, okay, here comes a heap and helping of opinion. We'll be live fact-checking the president's speech. And it's from a guy we had on last week, David Harsani. Is that oh, how yeah. you pronounce his name? Mm-hmm, Great, yeah. in the New York Post. Impartial fact-checkers are revealing their partisanship. If the media wants to challenge the context and politics of Republican arguments, that's their prerogative. There are plenty, now listen to this, Trump haters, there are plenty of legitimately misleading statements worthy of fact-checkers' attention from Trump's State of the Union address. Okay, so he's conceding something there. Sure. Yet with a veneer of impartiality, fact-checkers often engage in a uniquely dishonest style of partisanship. State of the Union coverage gave us an abundance of examples of it and the different kinds of so-called fact-checking there are. For instance, hyper-precision fact-checking <clears throat> that creates the impression that uh, you've been misled or an opportunity to say Trump lied. Right. For instance, uh, Politico insinuated that Donald Trump lied to the public about the abuse of women at the border. During the State of the Union, Trump claimed one in three women is sexually assaulted on the journey north. This contention is only partly true, according to Politico, because a 2017 report by Doctors Without Borders found only 31% of female migrants and 17% of male migrants said they had been actually abused while traveling. So instead of a third, it's 31. not 33, like the president lied. She go, ding, another presidential lie. Oh, boy. Um, God, and we're talking about rape. This one, fact-checking subjective political assertions. The New York Times provided a master class in bad faith fact-checking by taking political contentions offered by the president and subjecting them to a supposed impartial test of accuracy. In his speech, Trump called the illegal border crossing uh, illegal border crossings, and he said this again last night, an urgent national crisis. 
The New York Times said, this is false. Why? Because illegal border crossings have been declining for two decades, they oh, say. Boy. That's what uh, Beto said last night. Oh, Custom boy. and Border Protections uh, agents, they go on to explain, had arrested only 50,000 people trying to cross illegally um, each of the last three months, which was only half the arrests made in the 2000s. His analysis of this, why this is not really good fact-checking, is this. Even if those numbers are correct, there's no way to fact-check urgency. Right. After all, the a very le- assertion is ridiculous. A-, a lessening crisis does not necessarily mean it isn't a pressing one. We've seen a steep decline in gun violence over the last 30 years. Would the New York Times ever fact-check a Democrat who argued that gun violence was an urgent crisis of public safety? Well said. Of course not. No. Of course not. But this fl- this fluctuating standard allows journalists to fact check any subjective political contention they desire. Well, I, I don't know. Does he get into the, the, the evolution of uh, the illegal immigrant population from being almost exclusively adult males from Mexico and now it's entire Central American families, the logistics of which and the humanitarian concerns and the rest of it, the legal concerns, are much, much, much more difficult than a bunch of Mexican guys looking for work. That makes it a crisis. Well, wow, that's, that's just awful. Another way to claim fact-checking. Partisan talking point masquerading is a fact-check. Fact-check! President Trump praised the record number of women in Congress, but that's almost entirely because of Democrats nuts Trump's party. That was Trump offering a state of the union. The state of the union is we have more women in Congress than we've ever had. And he said as a Republican, that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, Fact check! As this guy says, he was not offering a rundown of the state of the Republican Party. It was literally the state of the union. So it's not a fact check to say, yeah, but that wouldn't be true. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, here's another example I really like. You know, what's crazy is, uh, it's funny, This it probably says something about humanity. I mean, Donald J. is fast and loose with facts. I mean, there's, it just is. It just is. Um, he's, he's more promoter than, you know, a scholar on some of this stuff. So there's plenty to, to look at if you really want to be a stickler. Why would you resort to such... Wild distortions of what you're claiming to do. Here's an, they're focusing on rounding errors as opposed to things that are actually worthy of fact checking. Here's another fact check uh, uh, trick: fact checking a truthful truthful statement by demanding that Trump highlight information that has nothing to do with his contention. Wow, it's a complicated one. Okay, but here let's you go. hear it. An astute reader pointed out this P- PBS fact check of a Trump tweet from a couple of weeks ago. And this is a popular genre. If the president points out that the reputable Marist NPR PBS poll has shown that his approval rating among Latinos has risen to 50%, which is true. His his approval rating among Latinos in that poll is up to 50%. Wow. Fact check! Fact check! And then they point out some other things from the poll that aren't good news for Trump. Well, the fact that he left them out is not... That doesn't make his fact that his <laughs> approval of 50%. Is still the same. You can't. Th- you you can if you'd like to just make an opinion argument, right? Yeah, but look at these other numbers. They don't like the wall. They don't like this. They don't like that policy. But that's not fact checking the president. I really like pizza. Fact check. You also like spaghetti. <laughs> right. What? Right. right. That'd be the similar thing. So those different kinds of fact checking I found pretty fact interesting. Fact check. You're not that fond of Indian food. What? 
God, that's, uh, well, ah, well, makes this, me crazy. This might be a better example. Fact check. I got mostly A's in math. I, I, I state, I got mostly A's in math. Fact check. You're a poor speller. <laughs> well, it's not on me to point out everything. <laughs> right. That would be time consuming, you know, to begin with. Well, right. I just put out the stuff that's good news for me. You know what's so frustrating about this is uh, from from the the early days of our conflict with the Soviet Union and now the Russians, one of the, the main goals of Compromat is to make us cynical and not believe anything. Because if nothing is the truth, then it's all about propaganda. And one of Putin's goals is to set us at each other's throats and have us become cynical about everything. I mean, it's it's right there. And, and, and we're cooperating in that. I, I mean, how can you not emerge from having heard this segment and think, these monsters of American journalism are full of crap. Well, those examples are pretty powerful. They're they're amazing. I really like David Harsani. Yeah, enjoy he's the great. conversation with them. And yeah, we are we going to talk to him again soon? We ought to have him yeah. on regularly. Yeah, he, if he'd you know be willing to slum it with us. He was funny. He was Fact willing. check: Some guests like being on the Armstrong <laughs> and Getty Show. I didn't say nobody did. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's disappointing that the whole fact checking thing was uh, was the world of a couple of people that most of us believed were trying their best. Now it's just gone. Fact right. check means nothing. Right. When you hear yeah. from any from any organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fan running onto the field wearing a striped jersey, blowing their whistle and making calls, but they're not functioning as a referee, they're functioning as a fan. So take off the striped jersey, you're screwing up the game. Well, fact-checking is dead. Okay, well, so you know what? It came and it went. It's like the Arena Football League. No, I guess that's still around, isn't it? Did you see the ratings for that alternative football league the other day? They are on to something with Saturday this. Saturday. I didn't even know there was. Well, well, you got to back up. I didn't even know there was an alternative football league. Oh, yeah. The American Federation of Playing Football I think. Yeah. Fact-check is actually the AFL. <laughs> yeah, it got some like 5 million viewers on a Saturday afternoon, uh, outdid the national NBA game of the week by really? millions. That's yeah. how much people like it's football. A, it's a bunch yeah. of former NFL execs putting together an alternative league, and it's being made specifically for the TV viewing experience. There's a lot of good stuff here. Wow. It, it is, and it's it's like the NBA Developmental League. It's it's players that are darn near good enough. We'll have to talk about that more later. That's, yeah. that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So the Democratic Party has a serious anti-Semitism problem that they are desperate trying to correct. Plus, a, uh, a letter from George Washington has been unearthed. Oh, really? Uh, heretofore unknown, and, and what it says is pretty interesting. Hmm. Old Stay- G-Dub in his own words. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So this uh, this this kid that's the lead singer for this group that won Grammy the other night, Greta Van Fleet Street or whatever it is called. Yeah. Um, when he was on Saturday Night Live, he's a little elfin character. Yeah. Skinny kid, but but doughy, skinny but doughy. But and I know that because he was wearing like a half mess shirt to show Bad his choice, son to show his belly. Well, he's trying to be you know out there different. Don't care. He's he's a cool band though, really cool band. I listen to their stuff all. 
for a majority of the day yesterday in terms of the music I was listening to, I'm digging that band. Yeah, they're cool. I'm digging it. I won't listen to somebody singing in a fringy half shirt. It's just wrong. So uh, the Democratic Party has a growing problem. It hit the spotlight uh, this week as freshman Congresswoman Ilhan Omar of Minnesota uh, unleashed a number of uh, controversial statements. She was tweeting and making it clear her dislike of Israel, Israeli policy, etc. The problem was she was engaging in a number of uh, anti-Semitic tropes that have existed through time suggesting that it was only the money of the Jew that was buying political support. She was pretty uh, pretty blunt about it. Um, and she and, uh, let's see, the, the other uh, representative, Rashida, was she the one with the MF bomb on the president? Um, I don't believe so. Have been out and proud uh, uh, talking about Israel. And and I don't want to get into this uh, too heavily, honestly, because I'm not. Uh, I don't. I just. I don't. I don't have the energy for it. But oh, a Democrat Rashida Tlaib, Tlaib uh, the first uh, Muslim woman elected to Congress in November, was uh, also uh, offering up those opinions. The majority of U.S. Muslims identify as Democrats at this point, and the handful of Muslims in the United States Congress are all uh, Democrats. Um, if you look at U.S. and international Muslims' attitudes toward Israel and Jews, they are wildly, well, not amazingly if you follow this stuff, but amazingly negative. Anti-Semitism is as natural in much of the Muslim world as being pro-sunrise and puppies and and, and chicks, Um, the the little fuzzy birds, not women. Um, And I'm looking at attitudes about homosexuality for instance among american and international muslims and uh, they are overwhelmingly overwhelmingly um negative worldwide recently american muslims have hit 50% on uh whether they believe homosexuality should be accepted by society so it's reached 50% but the Coalition of grievance groups, ethnic groups, um, sexual groups that kind of has formed up the Democratic Party at this point. Man, they've got a reckoning to come because a lot of the Muslim attitude about Israel isn't. uh, No, listen, I have no problem with the uh, Israeli people or Jews in general. I just don't appreciate their policy vis-a-vis the Palestinians. No, no, it's Actual anti-Semitism, the Jew is a monster, drinks the blood of babies, etc., etc. And that is going to go kaboom soon, and they're dealing with it this week, but that is not over. Well, it depends on whether or not you believe in intersectionality, a word I just came across last week. Are you familiar with I didn't know that concept. Yes, we've been, yes, yes. I'm, that word? Yes. Yeah. We've been, yes, it's come up. Well, I believe it. I can forget anything. Well, right. Yeah. But, um, I just I didn't want to sound abusive, but yeah, um, yeah, I bring it up a lot. Intersectionality. If one group is oppressed, then all groups are oppressed. So if you're part of a group, and I guess if you'd pick, I'm a I'm a trans rights person. Right. So in theory, if somewhere in the country. Uh, Muslims you feel like are being oppressed, you, you'd march on behalf of that. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And, and that's, and, but you always have to rank who's more oppressed. That's very important in those things because 
Remember that if you have power, you're if you're more powerful than a group, you're always wrong. And so if trans people run into, you know, blind American Muslims, there's got to be like a dog sniffing each other assessment of who's actually more oppressed because then they're in charge of what we're angry about. Well, apparently and it gets very complicated uh, and weird. Apparently there's some debate now whether inter- intersectionality is a workable idea. Oh yeah, they're they're within all, the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd I'd love to know more about that because it I is think it's, I think it's crazy because yeah. the idea of I stand up for I don't know uh, bald aging farmers um, that I would stand up for some other group just because they feel like they're being a that's got nothing to do with me. Right. I'm just I'm just into my thing here. Right. Um, but you look at and a number of the um, uh, the Muslim Congress people are from uh, immigrant communities. And if you look at the attitudes about Jews and uh, and homosexuality in particular among international Muslims, they're, I mean, unbelievably negative. Uh, you're looking at uh, uh, southern and eastern Europe, 83% of Muslims believe homosexuality is wrong and cannot be accepted. 83%. 85% Central Asia, 95% in Southeast Asia. That's your... That's your uh, Indonesia and, and stuff like that. Uh, let's see. Middle East, North Africa. It's 93% Sub-Saharan Africa. Oh, that would be Somalia. That would be your Minnesota Muslim population. 91%. And, you know, we don't have time to get into attitudes toward the Jews. But, um, yeah, here's the problem with cobbling together a... Uh, a group of grievances, uh, grievance groups. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Trump gets salty at last night's rally. You've got the Virginia governor going on a rehab tour, and we need to get into this. Teen smoking up for the first time in years. Yeah. Oh, and hey, I, no, I'm sorry. I'm happy I, about that. I didn't get to the most important part of this, and that's Nancy Pelosi and company have made those Muslim Congress gals apologize, and they say we mean it. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Valentine Day is Thursday, and this uh, product is out in time, or will be out. Love Sync. Here's the idea. You got two buttons. You each got a button on your side of the bed. And if you're in the mood for loving, you press your button. Ooh. And um, and then nothing happens. And then if the other person also pre- presses their button in the same time period that you're in the mood, then somehow they both light up and it lets you know you're both interested. So that there's, as it says here, the idea is... With Love Sync, there's no rejection, no guilt, and no missed opportunities. Right. <laughs> Where maybe the other person was in the mood and you thought you thought they probably aren't. Now you right. know if they are or not. Right. I like it. It's like, uh, you know, a flag when you got mail. Wouldn't my button Any just, wouldn't my button just always be on and it'd just be to whenever she's My battery's out again. <laughs> <laughs> I need to change the battery on my button. Yeah. <laughs> my button would always be on. That's until... funny. Mine still works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed. So, so aren't we back to the same spot? <laughs> yeah. Let's get the news now, Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump was telling supporters gathered for a rally in the border town of El Paso, Texas. He is not giving up on his pledge to build a wall with Mexico. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso. Did he sing that song? He should have. He did not break out into that song. The president, though, did continue to insist last night the barrier separating El Paso from Mexico had indeed made these cities safer. I spoke to people that have been here a long time. They said when that wall went up, it's a whole different ball game. Is that a correct statement? Whole different ballgame. 
I'll give you another example. And I don't care whether a mayor is a Republican or a Democrat. They're full of crap when they say it hasn't made a big difference. Wow, dropped an FOC. <laughs> Harsh rhetoric. Dropped an FOC on the crowd. Full of crap. Then when the crowd burst into chance of build the wall, build the wall. Now, you really mean finish that wall because we built a lot of it. Finish that wall. I tell you what, I can't handle two years of uh, rallies with those kind of comments and then the media saying, no, what's actually happened, I just, I can't. Fact check. The president has not begun building a wall, though some additional fences. Oh, right. All right. While slatted barriers have been built. Ah, Ah, boy. Meanwhile, Democratic ex-Congressman Impossible 2020 Trump Trump challenger, but we're pretty much figuring he's going to run for the Senate, Beto O'Rourke held a countermarch and a rally with civic, human rights, and Hispanic groups in the same town. There is no bargain in which we can sacrifice some of our humanity to gain a little more security. We know that we deserve and will lose both of them if we do. So to enforce immigration law is to abandon your humanity. Why don't we start there? Let's discuss, Beto. But, you know, that discussion isn't had. And certain people lap up the feel-good sloganeering and then, and, you know, go to the polls. He's a toe-riser as a speaker. I watched some of his speech last night. When he, uh, uh, what now? A toe-riser. When he hits a, a point of emphasis, he oh, kind of rises yeah. up on his toes every time. Ah, that's, right. that's when his voice goes up as well, right? <laughs> yes. All right, while lawmakers say they have reached a deal in principle on border security that would avoid another government shutdown, still no word on if President Trump is going to go for it. Now, according to reports, the deal does include over a billion dollars for new barriers along the southern border. Of course, that amount is a lot shorter than the $6 billion Mr. Trump has been demanding. Still under the agreement, though, Democrats would give up their demand to cap the number of people that ICE can hold at a time. On the flip side... Which is very odd. Yes. Why not just as many beds as, as are needed? It's just it's, it's just a naked political gesture. We're reigning in ICE because the fringe of our party says eliminate ICE, which is a stupid and insane idea, but here's a little tip of the cap toward all you. <laughs> now, on the flip side, though, the deal includes funding for a limited number of detention beds, just over 40,000. So you got a little push-me-pull-me. We'll see how this one works out. And now it is the rehab tour. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam plans to launch a statewide listening tour about race as he continues to resist calls to resign over the racist photos in his medical school yearbook. Northam's office says the tour will aim to engage different communities in conversations about race. And we got this text about the love sync buttons. Yes. 19 years of marriage and my husband has said no exactly zero times. If he's not in the mood, he'll get there in about five seconds. Yeah, I hear that. True that. My button's just going to be always on. Here. Turns out tobacco use among middle and high school students is on the rise. The CDC reporting nearly 5 million students are current users of some type of tobacco product. That is up from about 3.5 million in 2017, so it's had a huge jump in the last year and a half. But so is this smoking smoking with all the bad chemicals in it? Well, not, all the bad stuff that kills you? To put it gives in, you cancer? To put it in perspective, nearly 21% of the high school students vaped in 2018. 
So is that a tobacco product? Yeah, you can you can have tobacco, the flavored tobaccos. Yes. Think of like your hookahs, that sort of thing. Yes, but that's vaping. No, but the hookahs it's, are ba- vaping. No, no, no. But it's the, the the flavored tobacco, not specifically like the cigarette style tobacco but, that you. And is that stuff got all the chemicals thought, in it that kills you? Not as many. No, I thought vaping was vapor and not actually burning of tobacco leaves. Now here's the deal. Vaping, What's the deal? Vaping is apparently driving the surge. Amongst the students to use traditional tobacco products. So the use of cigarettes and things like that is going up as well. When you vape, what they've discovered is e-cigarettes have a huge amount of nicotine in them now. Mm. They have raised the amount uh, of nicotine in the liquids, in the various things you can use to vape. And it is now really very, very So as a nicotine addict, you know, some smokes are appropriate now and again, I guess. Okay, and the kids are adding to it all the time. I know all my kids to smoke, so I need to know this if it's the sort of thing that's because once you're hooked, hooked on nicotine, you're stuck. Oh yeah, you're fighting that the rest of your life. Oh yeah, you're talking to a guy who smoked for many, many decades and finally managed to quit. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. John Prine nominated for Grammy the other night. He uh, he had cancer, big chunk of his neck taken out, partially because of smoking of his whole life. He's got a song out now called When I Get to Heaven, but one of the lines in it is, when I get to heaven, I'm going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because it just never goes away. Right. 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 I've heard people say that. Uh, we're going to talk to one of our favorite political analysts, Gary Dietrich, about uh, a move by the governor of California to remove the troops from the border that Trump sent to the border or something. I don't know how that whole battle works. Does the commander-in-chief not get to send the National Guard or whoever, wherever he wants? Apparently not. Okay. What does it mean? Well, and is it setting the stage for Newsom drawn against uh, Trump, I guess? I don't know. Maybe. We can't talk about this for two years. Nope. Just can't do it. Mom. <laughs> Yeah, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty, the conscience of the nation. If you missed our little feature on why music today sounds different than music of, for instance, this Eagles song, it's from the New York Times. It's really interesting. They really don't make music like they used to. We have that linked at armstrongandgetty.com because it's pretty interesting. It's about the way they record it. But anyway, different topics. For years and years, we have turned to Gary Dietrich of Citizen Voice to talk about politics in a nonpartisan way and just try to understand what's going on. Gary joins us in studio now. Hello, Gary. How are you, sir? I'm great, guys, and it's good to be in studio with you again. I know you have significant regrets about that over the years, too. But, At times. But you sure. know what? Like it's, any we're relationship. still soldiering on, aren't we, guys? I said to Gary, we're going to ask you about Kamala Harris. And you said... I said, no, I'm not talking about the presidential race <laughs> in any way, shape, or you form. You can't make me. <laughs> now, come on, Gary. Let's go wa- through every single announced and unannounced candidate. People, I want you to know Michael waterboarded me to try to get me to do that on the way in, but I said, no, not doing it. Absolutely <laughs> See, not. I'm of two minds on that. I mean, you're a political analyst, so obviously you follow this stuff for a living, but on, on one hand, it's almost two years away. Which is crazy that we okay, talk but, 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 about. It. Wait, wait, on the wait, wait. other hand, the first debates are in six months. Well, thank you. And hey, try this on for size. You are going to freak yourself out. 
People are going to be casting votes in just a little over 12 months. Yeah. Come on, Iowa and New Hampshire is coming uh. up, kids. So, no, the, the reality of it, and of course, importantly, guys, in a year like this one is, you have the contest already now fully engaged for who's going to take on Donald Trump, right? And people are putting their position papers out. And, and, and when you have as big a cadre of people, we might as well just talk about this quickly now, in this race, you know, the field's going to be winnowed. I mean, you know, nobody, you can't run with two dozen people on the stage for the first debate. So, you know, the next six months are truly going to be important. And it's all about who's going to be able to raise money, right? The first couple well, of dropouts of we see are going to be people who just couldn't get checks it, written. You know, the, you guys know how the early criteria will be endorsements, money, especially money, right? Because to compete, I mean, take, for example, Super Tuesday next year is going to look very different. Why? Because the big kahuna of all kahunas, California has moved up its primary and now it's going to be in March, mm. the beginning of March, March, you know, with Super Tuesday, which totally changes the calculus because to compete in a state like that, you got to have cash. California right. has never seen candidates uh, going around doing town halls and stuff before because it didn't matter. Will California be a state that all the candidates are going around from town to town? We're going to have to uh, for two reasons, Jack. One wow. is to raise that all important campaign cash because it's the giant mother of all campaign ATMs. Right. Right. Yeah. The other thing is, and I'm convinced of this. Then a state the size of California with four of the top 20 television markets, you can't afford a Super Tuesday buy in all those markets, right? So you're going to have to be making the rounds to all the radio and TV stations in that state, right? Well, to TV make advertising happen. is a waste of money anyway. Radio advertising is where it's at, so let's get <laughs> Sorry, that I on the record. That. You're <laughs> yeah. absolutely right. All right. the money will be going to radio. Right. Anyway, so, so that's the deal. But, but so, so I think the calculus, guys, has changed. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're solidly now in a presidential cycle. So California could become Iowa, but with more fake boobs, more or less. Okay. You guys know I do not comment on things like that New- latter <laughs> statement. <laughs> New but, Hampshire but, with surfboards. But it is important. I mean, it, it is certainly important. I, I contend now that just given the calculus for next year, Iowa, New Hampshire, California, that's the importance. We're wow, be how at. interesting. Uh, speaking of Cal Unicornia, in the, uh, the limited time we have, uh, the the brand new governor of the Golden State, Gavin Newsom, has uh, really stepped out of Jerry Brown's shadow, and he is trying to correct me if I'm wrong, become the number one anti-Trump governor in America. Oh, I think he already fashioned himself that way. He ran that way mm-hmm. when he ran to uh, become governor of California, the biggest blue state in the universe, and notably, the New York Times themselves last year said Sacramento is the the vortex, the home of the Trump resistance movement. Interesting. So there you go. I mean, you know, Sacramento has positioned itself now as the anti-Washington. Kind of the, the Texas of uh, the Trump administration, because Texas famously would, would sue the Obama administration Every over day. anything. They, right, yeah. And uh, California's already sued. I think Javier Becerra, the, the uh, attorney general, has sued mm-hmm. a couple of dozen times well, on behalf I, of the state, something like that. You go down, you get gas every morning, and you file another lawsuit. Right. That's what that's what they said in Texas. They said well, the Attorney General of Texas family she said, I get up every day, I go down to the office and I file another lawsuit against the Obama administration. <laughs> so so what's the with the troops? So Trump wanted to put troops on the border and Gavin Newsom, the governor, says no. Can the governor do that? Well the, the no, no, no okay, we need to separate out National Guard from the troops. So three hundred and seven hundred three thousand seven hundred and fifty uh troops, uh, the president said, Yeah, you're going to the border. He As has, commander in chief, he can yeah, send them yeah, anywhere in the world. That. Uh National Guard Formally, unless he nationalizes a state national guard, which he has the authority to do, 
the, the process is to request for the governor of that state, would you please send down X number of troops? He did that last April. Jerry Brown said yes. 350 California National Guard troops went down to the border. In Trump's view to help with guarding the border, Jerry Brown said no, they're going to be involved solely in like drug interdiction, etc. Uh, in advance of today's state of the state, the first of Gavin Newsom's, Newsom said, I'm rescinding that order. I am not authorizing those troops to go down to the border for those purposes any longer. Mm. Wow. Okay. All right. So there's a face off. Uh, so the president will probably have a comment on that. Sure. Yeah. And on it goes. And there's a trans issue? I don't even know this one. Well, this is interesting. came out yesterday, guys, that, uh, of course, last week the U.S. Supreme Court said that Trump's ban on transgender military people was going to stand. And it's a, it's a partial ban, but anyway, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, but, but anyway, yeah. the, the limitations of right. any kind, yeah. right? And uh, so notably, uh, Gavin Newsom came out yesterday, along with representative of the California National Guard, said, we're not kicking anybody out of the California National Guard who has, uh, who's transgender. So setting up yet another, uh, you know, poke in your eye towards Washington. Now, notably, the Pentagon is the one that sets criteria for all military service, including National Guard. So it's going to, you know, another showdown is looming. So, oh, sir, so this is a case where the feds do have control over the National Guard in a significant way. Yeah, well, because okay, they set the knowing. criteria right. for yeah, the National okay. Guard. And ultimately, as I said, the president ultimately, if he wanted to, could nationalize the California National Guard. So, sir, Ooh, that'd be exciting. Circling back to the 2020 election is mm-hmm. the reason the governor... You can't of, stop him, Gary. Well, is the reason the governor of California is doing all this stuff... Fighting Trump, making Sacramento, California, the ground zero of the Trump resistance because he wants to run for president. I would never talk about a presidential election this early on. <laughs> well, I just don't but, understand but the why. Point, the point of the matter is this: that that you know, it's like they said, you know, at certain places, what I won't be named, certain academic institutions, because you guys don't like me to name it. But the point of the matter Gary is, Gary went to Harvard. No, stop! <laughs> you guys stop. You can't stop him. Oh, great, Mr. Harvard. Yeah. Okay, I just said I'm not naming the institution. I was yeah, talking well. about my undergrad, UC Santa Barbara. You there guys you go. Just <laughs> jumped right in, and the Gauchos are once again defamed. Right. Okay, I got to stand up for the Gauchos. So Somebody's got to do it. I ever, okay, here's the deal. Went, ever, I ever tell you I went to Princeton and picked up a pizza? <laughs> I did. I actually visited there and then didn't go there. So so here's the deal. Um, you guys got me off track. Good oh, pizza. every governor and U.S. senator looks, and we now we know this certainly by U.S. senators, they used to say, looks in the mirror and sees a future president. Uh, there's nobody that doubts that Gavin Newsom probably has those kind of aspirations. 2020, Jack, probably too early. Gotcha. He can serve two terms legally in California, eight years as governor. And then look at, let's do the math, right, two years after that. Mm. So so that's probably the reality of it, actually, in terms of politics. But and by the way, right betting, now we... Isn't what? that betting on Trump getting a second term? Or... or uh, well, Because ye- otherwise, then you'd be running against no, he'd a Democrat. No, he'd be running in four years. If a Democrat wins next year, right, he'd be running in, what, for nine years. Okay. okay. Right. He's a young man. He's got eight years as governor coming up here. Plus, he'd also, if he took it on now, would be running against... California's own U.S. Senator, wait, wait notably a Kamala Harris. Oh, right, right. But Gavin Newsom, eight years as governor, what if a Republican wins next time? <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Sorry. Well, well, I know you'd like to recruit an awful lot of radio advertising in four years for Republicans. You know, notably the Republican challenger to Gavin Newsom got more traction than people thought he was going to yep. in the Golden State. But just reality speaking right now. Currently, not one statewide office holder in California is a Republican. The highest ranking, by the way, Republican in California, a member of the Board of Equalization. Hey, is the um, vote harvesting going to explode on the national uh, 
platform at some point. That's such a huge story to me. And I have not seen that covered at the national level at all. What happened in California, they changed the law, flipped a bunch of seats that had been held forever by Republicans. Perfectly legal under the new law, but I think that's a big deal, don't you? What, what do you Jack, tell me what you mean, because this term has gotten so neighbor. What do you mean by it's, vote harvesting? Anybody, a political activist, a party uh, uh, you know, hack, whatever, can go door-to-door-to-door-to-door to door to door to door and collect as many ballots as they want and bring them in for you to right. turn them in at the polls. Right, right, right. Right, and it's illegal many places, but it's now legal in California. Well, in fact, the disputed uh, race in uh, North Carolina is all about vote harvesting, yeah, and and how that's illegal there and considered just a gateway to voter fraud, but it's yeah. legal in corrupt California. Right, right. Well, the other thing, guys, keep in mind that not only are we going to be Super Tuesday, but also at California election law changes, there's going to be early voting, so people will be able to vote actually a couple weeks in advance of their actual primary. Right, but well, we barely have a minute. Do you have any thoughts on? On the vote harvesting thing, the the idea of sending somebody door to door to door to door to well, collect ballots and turn in the ones they want to. Yeah, the, the important thing, guys, is you're getting down to is, you know, the integrity of the voting process. I mean, it's part of that larger issue. Maybe I can come back sometime. We can talk more about that because there's some real important pieces about that. And there's no doubt right now both parties are lawyering lawyering up for next year. Because that is going to be a huge issue next year. How's Harvard's water polo team looking this year? I don't, I don't have anything to do with I don't use the H word ever, especially, especially in you guys' presence. Remember now, it's only from now on about University of California, Santa Barbara, my esteemed undergraduate institution. Beautiful. We've shamed him into it. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you coming by, though. Well, yeah, we will absolutely stay in touch on all this stuff because it's going to be it's crazy interesting to see it evolve. Well, and... this is going to be one of the most... Uh, I know you don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it yet, but it's going to be one of the most amazing presidential elections ever. I, I truly believe that, and I think there's an awful lot to be said about the fact that this is going to determine a lot about both parties' directions going forward. Wow. Well, you got Elizabeth Warren, Warren suggesting that the incumbent president will be an inmate by 2020, <laughs> so, uh, you know. So it's going to be lock up uh, lock Donald instead up. of lock up Hillary? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Mike Pence better be, uh, you know, polishing his shiny, shiny shoes. Does Hillary run? Quick yes or no? No. No? Wants to... Nobody's going to support her in a substantive enough way to make she it. She wants reality. to, but she'll uh, she'll realize nobody wants her. I think that that's pretty much the consensus, even within her own. That's delicious. <laughs> you are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.